everything. Well, and it's it it, it overlooks the difference, um, the unique self on on the on the plane of of the ego and the separate self, and the unique self on uh, on on the plane of um, the absolute. Is that there are at its very least two very major differences. One is that the egoic self has not passed through emptiness, right. so it still believes that it exists as a fundamental separate self with a um, a real existence and and um, is something that is um, permanently um, um, uh, everlastingly existing instead of something that's timelessly existing and that its specialness comes from the ways in which it's better than other other egos and the second is that it hasn't experienced the uh the the uh, the true self the absolute right. self right and so in both of those cases it's um at most it's um at the soul level right and the soul still exists the still the soul is still the the um just like in the in the waking state the the self is essentially um the ego in the subtle realms, the self is essentially the soul. The soul, right. And and then in the causal realms, it's essentially the true self. And the um, the whole point about making sure that you pass through emptiness and formlessness is to strip the soul, to strip the soul of the separate self at that level, so that it's not confused and it's, it's not. Sorted. Exactly, um, because then it just is, um, you know, more of the same sort of egoic uh, illusion, only at a subtler level, and and um, you know, even in a sense, more more difficult to handle. And yeah. so that's that's one of the um, main reasons that it's so important that um, emptiness is uh, is the living ground in reality. Um, of the um, unique self, um, and so that that's a that's kind of a uh, no. It's absolutely you know unique self one hundred one. Yeah, no, no. That's yeah. Those are two two key distinctions. And I, I, maybe add one more piece. And you know, to to everyone you know who's just gracing us by listening, you know, really what we're doing is we're doing you know ten years of unique self one hundred one recapitulating before we kind of go the next step, just so the 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 basis in this dharma is really clear. This is this is a, a key kind of pivotal dialogue. So we're we're going over this territory just so we're really clear about what we mean by unique self, and it can't be hijacked by the ego, but it can't be hijacked by a kind of narcissistic individuality, you know. And once you kind of have that realization, I had a great dialogue about a week ago, Ken, with Jumpo, where he really, you know, and others, and Jumpo, I know you're listening now. He really got the unique self. I think for the first time in our conversation, oh, this is not that. This is not that narcissistic, you know. Egoic contraction. No, and he really, really kind of tapped into it in a really beautiful way. It was fantastic. But once you get these distinctions, it, it changes the game. And so let me make a, 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 one more, or one and a half more, and then pass it back to you, Mega K, kind of unique self 101, you know, key observations. And of course, all this 101, everyone is new, because, you know, this has developed over really the last, you know, 20 years. You know, this thinking and, you know, 10 years of, of, of conversation and, and, and sacred texts and realization and, and teaching. And, and that is, let me talk about kind of Western and Eastern enlightenment for a second. You know, and it, it's kind of 
paradoxical, and language, of course, has no accidents, that, you know, the summa bonum of both the Western tradition, right, is enlightenment. Of course, we're talking about the Western enlightenment, you know, in the mid-18th, you know, and then, you know, into the 19th century. And the, and the Western enlightenment talks about the realization that the separate self, essentially, right, is a, you know, stable, unique, independent unit that has dignity, right, that has rights, you know, ultimately that's going to be the right to vote, and the end it will extend to women as well, right? Every human being, right, is possessed of a dignified, right, separate self, and that separate self is the essential locus of reality. Right? Anything that allows, you know, you know, for the giving up of those rights requires a special social contract, you know, writes Hobbes, you know, in Leviathan. But basically, you know, it's this realization, I'm not, I'm not rooted in the larger church, you know, I've moved beyond that, you know, amber, mythic membership meme, I have, you know, I've moved to this level of rational consciousness where the separate self is enlightened, and enlightened means I've achieved a particular structure, a particular level, right, of consciousness, which is enlightenment, right, the realization of the, the, the dignity of the separate self. Now, paradoxically, you know, Eastern enlightenment, right, uses the same word, it's called enlightenment, same word in English, right, well, not only Eastern, of course, but also mystical Western forms of enlightenment in Hasidic texts, the word he'era, enlightenment is the same. So it's both, you know, it's the mystical enlightenment that we often identify today with Eastern enlightenment, right? Talks about enlightenment as the realization that I've actually moved beyond separate self, that I've transcended, I've ended the trance of separate self, I've ended my exclusive identification with the contraction, and I've realized that I'm in fact, you know, one true self, right? And I'm part of that one true self, and that's fully in me, and I'm awakened, right, as that true self. I am you know, the very ground of emptiness, right, and after you take everything away from me, you know, you take away my, my personhood and my, my, my car and my body and my, my doctorate and my family, after everything's taken away, you're still there, right? That's, that's true self. That's, that's what it's talking about. And so we have, and so that's talking about a particular state, a realized state of consciousness, and we have then these Western Eastern Enlightenment traditions that actually, in some deep sense, are mutually exclusive. And what we've done in Unique Self is actually bring them together in a higher integral embrace, right, by making one essential move. What we've basically said is, is we distinguish between separateness and uniqueness. And, and Ken, I just read another book recently, um, you know, a few months ago, just a, a recent book on enlightenment, you know, 60 times in the book. It just made the classical mistake and it identified separateness and uniqueness. And it said basically, you know, and I've read, you know, I must have read, you know, 30 modern books like that, and I've found that, you know, some version of this mistake in almost every ancient text, no one excluded, you know, the Jewish text, you know, some of the Buddhist texts, the Hindu texts, you know, separateness and uniqueness is conflated. So the thinking is, well, you've got to move beyond your separate self and leave your uniqueness behind. And so someone will say there's no such thing as a unique spiritual experience, because spiritual means, well, that's enlightenment. That's beyond separateness slash uniqueness. And that conflation, right, is a huge and understandable dharmic error and is rooted in a time in which enlightenment was moving beyond all preferences and perspectives. Right? That's the classical true self-enlightenment. But what we realize now is that actually separateness and uniqueness are distinct. And I can actually move beyond my separate self, identify as true self, and then awaken, right, to my unique self, the unique perspective of my true self, having fully left separate self behind. So for the first time, the West, like the Western mind and psyche and soma, 
which is so rooted in, in, in individuality, which therefore naturally rejects enlightenment because it feels that it intuitively it's an erasure of individuality, actually can for the first time embrace enlightenment teaching, and enlightenment actually you realize has perspective, and it's actually your perspective, and that essential block in the soma psyche mind of the West to enlightenment is removed, while at the same time, so, so the Eastern mistake is corrected, separate and, and unique or distinct, but at the same time, the Western mistake is corrected because we actually don't need to root dignity, right, in separate self. The dignity and rights of the individual are not rooted. You don't need to retain a separate self from that. You actually can move beyond separate self, realize your unique self, and all the goods of Western enlightenment, virtue, responsibility, accountability, you know, love, relationship, right, you know, are all accounted for rights. Right by the unique self, and so and it's a, it's a stunning integral embrace of East and West, right through this distinction between separateness and uniqueness, and brings together states and structure stages, right, and it just changes the game. Well, that's the thing that has to happen first, even before uniqueness and separateness, because is we have to realize that there are these two developmental progressions. One is right. through structures of consciousness, and one is through states of right. consciousness. And the West pioneered and did um, more evolving through structures than did the East, or, in, in fact, um, contemplative traditions, wherever we find them. And but what the West did was its primary original sin was it left out increasingly started leaving out states of consciousness. Right. So it had no conception of even what 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 a transcendental state meant. It had no conception of how to go beyond the separate self. And for um, the, the strides that it made moving out of mythic, for example, into an orange, uh, rational egoic was a massively positive move and brought into existence um, everything from um, representative democracy to the end of slavery to the universal rights of human beings and so on. And all of that was fine. There's nothing the matter with that. The problem was, though, that they didn't have any conception of states of consciousness. The Catholic Church had increasingly, starting about the third century, uh, left out meditative states. And burned, now, burned, and burned people, right, who, who actually want to make states central. I mean, exactly. A campaign against states. Exactly, and the reason was that the church maintained that nobody comes to salvation except by way of the church. Right. And, of course, mystical experiences have a nasty way of going straight from God to you. <laughs> and it's the same reason oil companies don't like solar energy. It right. just has a nasty habit of bypassing them and going straight to the person who wants to use it. And they do their own form of burning at the stake. And very we all. <laughs> right. And the, the East, on, on, on the other hand, um, in its development of structures, um, didn't get much further than, than mythic. And therefore, it didn't develop the positive virtues of, an, of a world-centric 
orange level of development. And so, but it did maintain its practice of states of consciousness. And so it would still, it would get into states and then make that confusion. Um, and then it, um, particularly it would get into states of uh, true self-emptiness and then have um, no conception of how that true self could, in fact, embrace the, the manifest uh, world in a, in a uh, unique self. And so the, the, the real problem between, between the, the, the Eastern and the Western approaches and what led to a continuing failure to integrate and realize this distinction between separation and unique was this prior confusion of structures and states and the fact that, that one specialized in structures and one specialized in states. But neither one of them found a way to put those two together. And had they done that, they would have been much more open to finding out ways to put together separate and unique. Right, exactly. Because they, could, they would have seen the obvious advantages of both of those, of the advantages of having a world-centric, you know, representative democracy, end of slavery, uh, universal rights of man, um, modern sciences, etc. It got none of those. Right, right. What it did get, though, was, well, go in this cave, cross your legs, meditate, and make the manifest world disappear. Right. And any time you see a distinction or a difference, that's samsara, that's bad, go back into your formless state, and thereby confusing featureless with, with uh, seamless and, and, and perpetuating that. that confusion. Right. So we, we, both of those are true. But we have to have this, this prior um, coming together of structures of consciousness, which is how we grow up, and states of consciousness, which is how we wake up. And when we see both of those are important, then we have to ask the question, well, how can that be since they, they seem to be holding on to, to, to different things? Structures of consciousness hold on to um, a separate self. And part of the whole point of structures of consciousness is an individuation, is creating a strong, healthy, dynamic, conventional, separate self. And without that, you don't get enlightenment, you get borderline and psychotic right. behavior. And, um, and, and, and yet we also want to be able to develop what the East in particular specialized in, which was these techniques to move through states of consciousness all the way up to states of true self and then eventually, of course, unique self and, and the supreme identity. And no culture that we're aware of was aware of both of those lines of progression. And therefore, they didn't even have a chance right, right. to come up with a unique self. Right, and they, could, and they couldn't make the distinction between separateness and uniqueness because the distinction between separateness and uniqueness is essentially built on right, the distinction between you know, structure stages and states. Exactly. Right? They're, they're completely related to each other. 
And, and, and this is where, and just, just to, to share with people just the excitement, this is why we're so excited about Unique Self, because what we're doing is we're not, we're not on the, we're not on the keyboard now. We're in the very source code of an evolution of enlightenment, which is why, for example, the world spirituality that we're talking about, world spirituality based on integral principles, it's why we say that it's the best of pre-modern, modern, and post-modern in an integral embrace. And right. it takes something from a pre-modern tradition, right, a kind of core intuition, but we then evolve it through this evolving prism. And as we see this distinction between states right, and structures, and we notice in language, Ken, and it's just so striking in language, right? You've got enlightenment used in these two completely different ways, as two tra- trajectories, right, of human thought that never talk to each other, right? Exactly. It's a paradox, right? I mean, all the people talking about Western enlightenment, you'll never see any mention of Eastern enlightenment, and in the emergence of the individual, right? What paradoxically happens is it, it goes flatly on very, very quickly, right? There's no sense. Right of a transcendent or of a depth, right? What you know, Mumford's famous you know phrase that you know Houston liked so much, right? The disqualification of the universe. Yeah. Disqualified, it has no quality to it. At the same time, the people talking about Eastern Enlightenment, right, have no sense, you know, historically of this notion, right, of these structure stages of consciousness, which introduce, you know, democracy, and what you produce is, you know, is is China that goes communist. Right. Well, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, the aberrations. I mean, as, as direct effect in our lives in every possible way. This is not an abstract conversation. No. These, this, this is the, the the discovery of structures and states is is one of the most important that, that, that really we've made in a very very long time. And the problem, of course, is that if you don't see how both of them are important and how both of them fit together then in many, many cases they appear mutually exclusive with structures attempting to create a self and states attempting to deconstruct the self. Exactly. And if you don't know how those go together, then you're sort of forced to choose one or the other. And if you choose one or the other, then you're lacking all the benefits that the other has to bring. Right. So the Dalai Lama was asked if he could change one thing about Tibet, what would it be? He said, we need representative democracy. Well, you're not going to get representative democracy when your cultural center of gravity is mythic. Right. You right. can exactly. meditate forever. Right, not going to happen. Not going to happen. No, it's not and happen. so that's one of the really exciting things about, I would just say, world spirituality is bringing these together yeah. for the first time, being able to see how how both growing up and waking up is are, are central, and yeah. then and then um, an important part of that is then the recognition of of the unique self, which is a part of what happens when you when you see the necessity of both of these um, uh, evolutionary streams. Right, right. And sort of what happens is that once the distinction. Let's try and describe it in a particular way, Ken, kind of just how the phenomenology of thought works. I know we're, you know, for, for everybody who's thinking we're getting too esoteric here, just relax for a second. But the kind of the way it works is, is once you actually incorporate a new breakthrough, or let's say the distinction between states and structures in your mental furniture, yeah. what happens is then new distinctions suggest themselves. So, so, so the distinction between separateness and uniqueness, right, then spontaneously suggested itself to me once right, the distinction, right, the integral distinction between states and structures was in place. So then you kind of look at it and you say, I'm not, I remember, 
I, I, I remember calling you that night or sending you an email like late at night when I kind of just a few years back. It just, I'm just literally sitting reading text. Now, like my, 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 my desk was covered with both modern books and enlightenment, you know, from all different, you know, Jewish, not, you know, Buddhist, you yeah. know, um, every possible, you know, and, you know, you know, old, old texts, you know, either originals in the Hebrew text or, you know, yeah. translations. And I just want, I just saw it and they all make the conflation between separateness and uniqueness. And of course, they all conflate structures and states. Both right. conflations are there. And once you make those two distinctions, you realize, oh my God, you can actually take all the goods of the East, right? You can move beyond separate self. You can attain that realized state of consciousness and not lose all the goods of the West, which are the dignity. And in this case now, because we're, we're doing it, we're doing it post emptiness, the infinite dignity, right? 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 Of the unique individual. And you can retain both in this higher embrace, which literally changes the game. And I just want to say something about changing the game here, that I'm not using this as a kind of branding or marketing expression. This is really critical because, you know, you know Ken and I have talked about this many times. Right? And Ken, sorry to talk about you in the third person there for a second. <laughs> but, but, but the enlightenment conversation, I mean, just think about it for a second. I mean, enlightenment is the change that changes everything. Right? You've actually awakened. You've blown your mind, as it were. Right? You, you've moved beyond at least the kind of obsession of, of all of the contractions that create you know, so much brutality in the world. Well, yeah. if that's true, I mean, if, if this product is, let me, let me phrase it in crass terms, if this product is so good, why aren't people buying? Right? In other words, do, do we need a better marketing firm? I mean, do we need, do we need better branding? Do we need more lists? I mean, you know, this is like the great elixir, right, you know, of, of the perennial philosophy of all the great traditions. So why is it singularly uninteresting, right, to the masses, certainly of the West and of the Westernizing world? And so the Enlightenment teachers generally say, which is all true, what they say is true but partial. Well, the ego, the traps of the ego, you know, and, it's, you know, hard to die to the separate self, you know, all, all the correct answers, but they're, they're insufficient. They're right. insufficient. People aren't. And, and what they fail to point out is, is that people have an intuitive sense that actually I exist uniquely. Right? Right. I actually am a unique expression, a feature of the seamless code of the universe. And the way enlightenment is taught to them right, is that basically you have to deny that intuition, and that intuition is a function of ego. And the masses of healthy, what Cook calls, um, mystic philosopher Cook called Ruach HaHamoniha Atzili, the healthy spiritual intuition of the masses. It's a great phrase. Right? Basically said, actually, no, I'm actually not giving up my uniqueness. That's part of the core function of my dignity, and they didn't have a move to make. And so for the first time, this world spirituality based on integral principles, emergent of unique self, makes enlightenment, you know, what William James would call, I guess, a genuine option right, for the world, you know, for the masses of people, and that changes the game. If there's no exaggeration, there's no hyperbole, you know, there's no marketing, there's no, I mean, it actually changes the game. You can actually begin to talk about enlightenment, right, in a way which speaks to, right, the correct spiritual intuition, which both wants to move beyond the contraction and wants to affirm uniqueness. And once you get this distinction between states and structure stages and then between separateness and uniqueness, which is built on the first distinction, right, you literally open up the single most important possibly human understanding, you know, revelation, fruit of the eye of the spirit, which heretofore has been blocked. So that's, I mean, Ken, I can't, I can't think of anything more exciting at this moment. 